YouTube is a search engine. And so if your content can answer questions people are searching for, then your videos will get views. Your videos yes. will show up on the search pages. So your job as a creator is to figure out what are people asking and how can you answer them and be of value to them. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Today, we have a special guest, TJ from Cup of TJ, the cutest travel and food show on YouTube with over 443,000 subscribers, which she amassed in the last, I believe, four to five years. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I am so honored. So honored. <laughs> Always a good time chatting with Tina. Yes, TJ is a, a very good creator friend of mine, and we frequently get together and chit chat about progress, about both of our programs and coaching and whatnot. So um, mm -hmm. I already know a lot about TJ, but I think today <laughs> she will offer a lot of value through this this chit chat that we're going to talk about. So. First of all, I just kind of want the audience to get to know you. Um, TJ is Taiwanese, but yeah, were you born in the U.S.? I actually don't know this. Uh, I was born in Taiwan. I was born in Taiwan. I came to California. But your Chinese sucks. Yeah. Okay. So you came here very early on. Really early. Yeah. I know that you quit your job at 20, uh, in 2016, 2016 to basically become nomadic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you doing before that? Yeah, I was actually, um, so I went to school at UC Davis, I studied political science, oh. major did not do anything for me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do anything with the major. Um, yeah. I started, I would say in my sophomore year of college, I started looking into a lot of like marketing and business internships. Mm -hmm. So even though my major was poli sci, all I did was marketing internships. And so my senior year, I applied uh, for this marketing position at Mozilla, which is a tech company in San Francisco. And then I got it as community manager. So I was working as community manager there for two years before wow. I quit. Oh, so you basically were in the corporate world for two years only? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was in the corporate oh. world for two years. But even before that, I was um, interning. So mm -hmm. I would find uh, internships in San Francisco while I was in Davis. I would drive like an yeah. hour and 30 minutes just to go work at these tech companies and like drive back. <laughs> yeah. So basically TJ was already a hustler even during her <laughs> college years. So what prompted you to become nomadic? And when you did though, you hadn't built an audience yet, right? You were going no. to quit your job in order to build an audience or was it just in no. order to become nomadic? Yeah, it was just in order to become nomadic. Um, I think before... The, when I graduated uh, college and then before my job. So I got my job like the end of the senior year. So I knew like, oh, before I start my nine five, I wanted to travel. And so I actually went on this, I studied Shakespeare in London as like a study abroad program. And then afterwards I traveled uh, solo in Eastern Europe for two weeks. And after that, I was like, oh man, this is the best life ever to travel yeah. forever. And so when I started my nine to five, I very much had the intention of like, one day I want to just travel the world. I wanted to travel the world. I'll make it happen somehow. And so 
when I had my nine to five, I was already saving a lot of money. And, you know, at that time I was, what was I, I don't know, 22, 23. Oh gosh. I don't remember <laughs> what's 2016, but, um, the tech job obviously paid really well, right? You get paid very well in tech. And so I was able to save quite a lot of money, which then allowed me to quit later on and become nomadic. Mm. So, um, how much money did you have saved when you quit your job? Oh my gosh. I don't know, Tina. You know, I had this whole blog post written and then it like my blog just got deleted. So oh, I, no. what? what? I had this whole blog, blog post that broke it down. I had a whole blog post that broke it down. But I think what I said was it was like 15K to travel on a budget around the world. Um, 30K to do it comfortably. Mm. And, and definitely those were numbers. Yeah. That was for one year? That was for one year. Yeah. But oh. obviously a lot of the travels had to be done in Asia where it's a little bit cheaper, but you're still yes. able to go to other places. And were you planning to go back to corporate at all or you were planning to sustain yourself with uh, remote jobs? Um, when I quit, I had very much had the intention of like, I just want to be nomadic um, and I want to figure out a way to like become a freelancer, a way to start a creative career and just um, make money doing that. So, but then, but then I was like, I'm going to give myself a year if nothing happens in a year. I can always go back, right? I'll go back to 95 grind. Yes. Um, and of course, nothing much happened in the first year. <laughs> you know, it like oh just dear. had to plant those seeds, but not much happened. It was such a struggle, um, mm. even just like, because one thing that I did to make money was um, I became a headshot photographer. So anyone I met while I was traveling, I'd be like, hey, I could take your photos. And so I met, I would met digital nomads, entrepreneurs, and mm. people who needed headshots, um, people who worked remotely for companies that wanted like a headshot for LinkedIn. So that's what I did. But even doing that, it's so different because all of a sudden you go from like your employees telling you, hey, this is how much we pay you to you having to set your prices. Yes. And, and it's like, how much just is two hours? right? Two hours of shooting. How much is that for you? And you just have no idea. Yes, <laughs> so I was yeah, lowballing yeah. myself. It was, I charged so, so cheap for my photography packages. Um, and the first year being nomadic was just learning the whole freelance business and how to be your own boss and like how to charge and even little things like, you know, your website, your platforms, your rate sheets, your editing softwares and storage. These are all things you have to like figure out as a freelancer. And so that was so much more than I, I ever, than I expected it to be. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So then were you already starting to build your YouTube and maybe Instagram at that point? Yeah. So that first year um, of traveling, that was when I started uh, posting more Instagram photos. So I would say back then I was more focused on building my Instagram because mm -hmm. I was more into photography. Uh, when I was living in San Francisco, I would like, do like photos of hikes and stuff. And even if you scroll down all the way on my Instagram, you can see um, photos of San Francisco landscape. So that's why I started with, with photography and I was growing that. But then I've always wanted a YouTube channel. So I'd said, you know, let me document my travels, but I would post very sporadically. So I would post like a vlog a month, two vlogs a month, skip a whole month and then post again the next month. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know there were courses for YouTube. I didn't even know people watched like how to grow on YouTube. I didn't even know there was educational content and I was just kind of messing around on YouTube. 
Yeah. Did you choose YouTube out of, you know, some other platforms? Was that because you just wanted an overall social media strategy or were you very passionate about being on screen? Yeah, I just, um, I, when I was really young, I did a lot of theater. So even in college, I was doing theater. And for me, YouTube was born out of this frustration of like, I didn't pursue acting. I didn't pursue performing, but that's what I love. And so YouTube was kind of this way of expressing myself and a way to like feel creatively, like passionately alive about something, you know? Yes, and so yes. that's what YouTube was for me. If anybody goes and checks out TJ's videos, you can definitely see like her on-screen presence is amazing. And it's just, it's super engaging. Even her videos from way back, I was just stalking her channel a little oh, you bit <laughs> before this. So I don't, I get my facts straight. And even like the videos from 2018, I was like, this is super engaging and really funny. So I do feel like you almost have like this natural talent, but of course, a lot of it is practice over time, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. A lot of my very first videos are not on my channel anymore. They're so cringy. Um, and trust me, like my very first videos, they were so bad. I would sit in front of the camera and I would have to redo the take so many times. I would be sweaty. My eyes would be all shifty and it was just really? not good. Yeah, it, it really took um, a lot of practice and of just continuously doing it to get yeah. better and better. That's actually still surprising to me. I just recorded an episode saying that, mm -hmm. oh, it's normal for you to see someone at their chapter 10 and think that you're so much worse than them at chapter one and think yeah. they're so much more talented than you. But yeah. you don't know when they were at their chapter one. And maybe no, they were worse than you. And even though I say that, and that's that was true for me, when I see people like you, I, I'm still a little surprised knowing that it was challenging for you too in the beginning because you oh, seem like such a natural to me. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. But no, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, definitely a struggle with, and you, you always have on days where you're like, I can just pump out this whole video and off days where it's so hard, so yeah. hard to be on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So then what was the turning point? You quit your job mm -hmm. at 2016. You went and became nomadic for one year. Mm -hmm. When did things start to take off? And like, how many videos did you have to make yeah. for that change oh to happen? Gosh. Um, okay. So I was, after the one year, I gave myself one year at the end of the one year, um, there was like no traction still. And I was like, I maybe had uh, 3000 subscribers mm -hmm. on YouTube after a whole year. And that was because one of my videos went semi-viral in Peru. Um, and I had I got a bunch of like Spanish subscribers. So that was really cool. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, yeah, but then it was just not, you can't, you know, that's, you can't go full-time with that. And I had no idea what I was doing. But after the end of the first year, I was like, listen, you already put in all this work to figure it out, right? You, you are planting these seeds. You just have to keep going. So yes. I continue to be nomadic for three more years total. And during those three years, I went ham on YouTube. I had this mentality shift that was like, YouTube is no longer, you know, if you really want this, like YouTube is not just a hobby or something you just dabble and you post like once a month. It's this is your job now. So if yes. it's your job, you have to post and be, you have to be on it, right? So you have to be consistent. You have to show up on your work hours. You have to be pushing out content. You have to do the marketing, the financing. You have to do whatever it takes 
so that this business, your channel kicks off. And so when I had the mentality shift, I began posting um, three to four vlogs a week. So I went from like one or two wow. a month to three to four a week. And that's when things really kicked off and my channel started growing from there. Wow, that's a yeah. lot. Three to four a week. It's like, a lot. You're working like every phone. single day. It was, so what I would do was I would film the whole day, right? Cause it's, we're trial vlogging where you vlog throughout the day. I would edit through the night until like two to 3 a.m. I would publish the vlog the next morning. I would just redo it. And wow. that was just, but I was young and had the energy and I was like, I, yes. you know, I got this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally get it. Um, when you're starting out, when you're uh, sort of honing in on your craft and improving on everything, every mm -hmm. piece of content that you create is, is kind of satisfying. It's like exciting yeah. because you want to start working on Super the exciting. next project and the next thing as you see the growth. So then yeah. was there a key video that went mm -hmm. really, really viral that sort of changed the game for you? Yeah, I had, um, oh my goodness, yeah, this is such a funny story. Yeah, <clears throat> I had a video. <laughs> so before this video that went viral, I had spent maybe like two weeks editing this huge travel guide for Thailand, like 10 things to do. I spent hours editing it, uploaded it, and it just got like, yeah, whatever views. Then after that, I was like, ah, you know, I filmed this little vlog at this capsule hotel I'm staying at. Oh, I literally I filmed it in, in like an hour. I was checking out and I was like, ah, you know what? Let me just film it. Like, why not? It took, I edited that in four hours, the shortest vlog I ever did. And now it's at 10 million views. Holy moly. You just don't, you don't know, you know, yes. you just don't know. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But after your experience with several viral mm -hmm. videos, you're starting mm -hmm. to get a sense of what type of content is new to people who are watching YouTube. And then you mm -hmm. can go in and just create focus on those types of videos to get that traction, right? Correct. You did one Correct. on like knife massage in Taiwan that also went viral. Yes, that one went viral as well. And that one was kind of just like there wasn't so I talk a lot about like creating search friendly content. We'll probably get into it. But that one was more just like, I find this really interesting. I think there's a potential for it to go viral. It, it has the um, the elements for like a viral video. It's really different. You know, it's like yes. uh, educational and the thumbnails and the title. It's yes. all, it's got the package. So when we did that video, it, that took me two weeks as well because I had to get someone to help me translate and add caption. So oh, wow. When that went up, it was like maybe 10K in the first month. And then it just all out of nowhere, it just shot up. And now I think, is that 3 million? Three, it three, was 4 million. million. Yeah. 4 million. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I did my homework. Oh, look at you. <laughs> yeah. So that's very interesting because, mm -hmm. you know, when all of the elements come together, that's when yeah. it really can get that explosive reach. Yeah. So you kind of summed it up a little bit. So there's that unique factor to it. And mm -hmm. then there's also uh, the title and the thumbnail. Mm -hmm. And of course, the quality of the video itself and the storytelling, the process of telling your story and then giving people the final result and your conclusion, mm -hmm. delivering on your clickbait basically is very, mm -hmm. very important, right? So then my question is like, how do you determine mm -hmm. what would be unique to people? What would be interesting yeah. to people and have that mass appeal but still be yeah. different from other people's regular videos right i mean i do feel there's so many different factors for why someone goes viral and a lot of it is just like 
just a little bit of magic, right? (laughs) But depending on your niche, there are certain topics that are just very trendy. Like if you're in the finance niche, um, when the stimulus was available, anyone who made videos about the stimulus would get hits. And there was even one channel who just made videos about stimulus and he grew thousands and thousands of subscribers just off of talking about the stimulus. Really? Like just one topic. And so with every niche, it's, you know, your job as a creator to be like, what is the pattern and the trends in my niche? Like for me in travel and food, back then Capsule Hotel was actually a trend. Yes. I like stumbled upon it. I was like, this is interesting. Let me do it. I was the first one to do it on that hotel in Taiwan, mm-hmm. but it was, it had been very trendy in Japan already. Right. Um, other really right. trendy stuff are like um, room makeovers were really trendy for a while. Um, the, I try the five stars versus one star thing was a trend. So there's always trends to be discovered and there's always patterns of what viewers want to watch in a certain niche, yes. you know, so yeah. that if you understand what they are and you're able to find that pattern, then creating content becomes a little easier because you can say every month, if I create four videos, one of those videos, let me do it on a trendy topic. Yes. Right. So I have like one out of four of potentially going a little bit more viral than the rest. Yeah. So being able to identify trends is so important. And you see like platforms like TikTok and Reels where it's all about trends. If you can hop on the trends, your content will go. Yes, totally. Trends are so important. It's one of the key methods that I talk about inside my program in order to grow. Mm -hmm. So then how do you identify trends, particularly for YouTube? Is it more like general society (laughs) trends or do you look specifically on YouTube? Yeah, we, um, yeah. So we look specifically on YouTube. We are doing like trend digging all the time. And like, I walked through my students through this whole process of trend discovery, but you are able to dig through the platform and see like comparing one, ch- one really big channel with other really big channels in your niche and seeing like which videos have the most hits. And oftentimes you'll see that if one video did really well on this big channel, it did really well on 10 other big channels. And that's a trend. So the data digging is like so important to be like, okay, after looking at these 10 channels in this one niche, these three topics are really popular videos. Let me do it on those three, right? It's just the digging process. And I think a lot of people don't realize or they don't do the homework of the digging and they just want to jump to the content. But it's like, if you just spend a bit researching, it could drastically like up your chances of getting views on your video. A hundred percent. Another one that was so big, I would say a few years ago was van life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's still big. Yeah, yeah, still. Right. So like, I think one of the questions for people was like, how do you cook? How do you shower? Or like, how do you pee? And yeah. so then people are really curious and it, they, yeah. it makes people want to go click on it. There was that girl with a snake who lived in a van yeah. and she grew yeah, a million followers true. in a month, I think. Mm-hmm. It's and, so crazy. And that was a niche. Our van life is in itself is a niche that's incredibly popular and it will always be trendy. Mm. And I think you look at like all the travel vloggers and you're like, how come everybody gets vans? It's not necessarily like, oh, they all want to live in a van. It's like, this is just a very trendy, popular niche. And for a lot of travel vloggers to continue their success when we can't travel, van life is the, is the natural path, right? Yes. And it's like, people love watching it. It's exciting content. So- that's why a lot of travel bloggers do do the van life. 
Yeah, totally. So you mentioned a little bit about a mixture of different types of videos. Like one is、mm-hmm. aiming for trending and viral.、Mm-hmm. What are the other types of content that need to go into your monthly content、mm-hmm. strategy to help you grow like an overall very strong channel?、Yeah. Always、um, valuable, search-friendly content.、Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think sometimes when people say this, they always like, "What about that one channel that just like is、yeah, really funny and, and vlogs、oh、about their life?" And I'm like, "Okay, that's maybe the one percent. There are people yeah, who yeah. are just so funny; they can title、yeah. their videos anything, but like, <laughs> you know, and they'll just do really well. But you can't focus on that. Like, mostly how channels grow is through creating these valuable search." Friendly content, right? Because YouTube is a search engine, and so if your content can answer questions people are searching for, then your videos will get views. Your videos、yes. will show up on the search pages. So your job as a creator is to figure out what are people asking and how can you answer them and be of value to them. That's、mm-hmm. really important. So in your content strategy, especially if you're just starting out, like think of it as this channel, not as like oh this channel is all about me, but like. What value can I provide for others? Like,、mm, yes. What can、yeah. I do for you? Right. It's still in your style. It's not all about you. It's in your style. But what can you do for others?、Um, but yeah, absolutely, search friendly content. So a lot of like how to content and stuff like that. But I think how to content people think is like really boring. But I do think there's you can make it fun in your style. Right.、Yes. It doesn't have to be like tip number one. This is what you do. It could be like. <laughs> Everybody says you have to start YouTube this way, but this is what I did. Or like, it's just you can make it more fun and more you and more stylistic. And I think that's what people really want. So a lot of the content on YouTube is just recycled content, but、mm-hmm. what makes it fresh and unique is the way creators re like, what do you call it? Re like twist it, twist it. I always say it's like adding your creative twist, right? So、yes. the adding your creative twist and like adding your own superpower. It's like. How can you take the same content, the same information, but make it you? And mo- even though most content on YouTube is recycled content, YouTube is looking for people a fresh way of doing it. So、yeah. if you're able to come at this content, these information in a fresh way, then hell yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be successful. A hundred percent. Because even though there are a ton of successful singers out there. We still、mm-hmm. want to hear from other new singers, even if it's just the、mm-hmm. same genre. You know, we still want to hear different song pop songs、mm-hmm. from the same person. It's almost similar to、mm-hmm. having your own personal brand, whether that's on YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, or anywhere else. Everything that exists、yeah. has been done before, but Absolutely, maybe、yeah. it hasn't been done in your voice, like the way that you do it uniquely. Yes,、so. I agree. I would say the most important t- thing for anybody trying to start an online personal brand is to find that element that's unique to you,、um, and、mm-hmm. then go from there, and then hone in on your craft. Are you an aspiring creator who wants to get paid to be yourself and do what you love? Well, I have a free training that will help you achieve exactly that. This training will cover the four steps to landing paid brand deals, even if you don't have a ton of followers, so you can start growing and monetizing your social media following. Save your spot today at successfulinfluencer.com/training or head to the link in the description. 
During quarantine, I know you were traveling a ton before quarantine,、mm-hmm. right? How did、mm-hmm. you manage to pivot from traveling、yeah. and introducing food to cooking, and then now partnering with some of the biggest food brands? Yeah.、Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. When the pandemic happened, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. You know, like because I dropped.、Uh, maybe we had three or four brands, big brand deals, just drop and didn't happen.、Um, And I was so worried, and I even canceled my Spotify Premium because I was like, "I am going to be poor now." That's so funny. <laughs> and not work anymore. I don't think I can <laughs> ever cancel my Spotify Premium. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it was just like, "Oh my gosh, travel is canceled," you know. And we're in the travel niche. This is what we do.、Um, but I think it's it's always. I think when the whole pandemic happened, I was just asking myself, okay, you know, when things go wrong, what does it make possible? So. What does it make possible now that I'm at home with my camera? I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, let me create con-、uh, content at home, right? And using the same things that we talked about of like providing value to people, adding your own creative twist. I was like, I can cook at home,、um, but in my own style. And yeah, I knew、yeah. that there's thousands of cooking Instagrams, thousands of cooking blogs, thousands of cooking TikTokers and YouTubers, and and I know they're they are all better at cooking at than me, right? But I was like. But what I can do is I can just make cooking fun and entertaining because I had the years of experience creating videos. So I pivoted to creating cooking content using knowledge that I have creating travel videos,、um, and then it just kind of kicked off from there. So now the cooking content is really like growing、uh, my Instagram, and it grew my TikTok, and、yes. now we have a second YouTube cooking channel. Yeah! Wow! Oh, I didn't know you have a second cooking channel. Yes, it's for YouTube Shorts, and we talk、wow. about later. We have、oh, time.、Okay. We have too much to talk about. <laughs> we have to talk about YouTube Shorts later. Yeah. But I want to come back to the whole cooking thing. One thing that I think makes your channel very unique, whether you want to do cooking or traveling, is that you actually have a very particular focus, which is Asian travel or、mm-hmm. travel、mm-hmm. in Asia or、mm-hmm. even Asian food outside、mm-hmm. of Asia. And then now, when you're doing this cooking. You continued that so that even your existing audience they can really easily identify that,、Correct. and you're not veering very far off of your original focus. So you're、mm-hmm. speaking to the same audience. So、right. even though you did a huge pivot away from travel, like do you even、mm-hmm. travel anymore? No, not barely on my channel. It's all just local content. Yeah, but yeah. but you're still able to continually grow your、Correct. personal brand. So、yeah. that's just another testament to how important it is to hone in on your niche、mm-hmm. or your style. I think the niche, the word niche, scares people、It's, so much. Yeah, it scares people, right? But it really shouldn't have that negative connotation. It just means being known for something. Yeah, and it, it's just understanding like who follows you too, and like if you, yeah, that's it. And, I didn't say sometimes niche is just like your style of doing things. So yeah, yeah, don't be scared of the word. <laughs> yeah. So now that you have pivoted into、mm-hmm. more cooking,、mm-hmm. do you feel like I'm, let's talk about money?、Right? Oh yeah, okay. The money is where the food brands are at, like the bigger commercial、yeah. brands are at, versus before you were doing restaurants. Yeah.、Um, so I still do restaurant reviews on YouTube. You'll see that the content on my YouTube is a little bit different from Instagram and TikTok because the transition of my YouTube content it can't just be from food review to completely cooking. I did try. I actually did test it.、Um, the videos didn't perform that well.、Mm-hmm. So it's still a lot of food review. But now 
I've been doing a lot of grocery hauls. So every day cooking or trying things at home. So still yeah. incorporating, reviewing, but also cooking a little bit together. Um, but I would say since pivoting, and I'm not sure if it's, I think it's a little bit both of like my numbers just grew so much uh, because of the cooking content, but also, yeah, most of the brands, it's like everyday consumer brands. Um, they have budget because they're selling so much product, right? Mm -hmm. Versus when you are in the travel niche, um, it was a little bit more difficult because oftentimes tourism boards, they'll pay you, but maybe not that much because they're yeah. sponsoring your trip, right? So you maybe get a free, or not, I don't like the word free, but you'll get a sponsored trip, but you don't get additional pay on top of that for your deliverables. Uh, but then for like an everyday consumer product or like for some sausages or cheese that like you can incorporate that easily into your content, yes, yes. into one post or into, you know, one video and they would pay you decent money for it. So yeah. I definitely felt like there was more brands doing sponsorships in this um, more like cooking everyday lifestyle uh, place more than travel. Mm. I wanted yeah. to bring this up because I think when I first started teaching people about, you know, picking their niche, I made the mistake of saying that there is less money in uh, the food space. Oh. <laughs> and that was very controversial. I realized that was wrong. I took it out of my presentation. I was like, never <laughs> yeah. talking about this again. Yeah. Because the main thing is like, anybody can make it very, very profitable, depending on how you go about it. Oh, and yeah. You know, I didn't want to send out the wrong message saying like, oh, there's not as much money in food. But that was just from my own personal experience collaborating with restaurants. But there's a lot of other different routes. Yeah, I, I agree. And even when I say like, ooh, what I do now cooking is more than travel. But like you look at travel bloggers like Karen Nate, who's been able to just expand their empire and build such a profitable business in travel. So it really, there's no like one size fit law. I think it's just, some it's just whatever feels right to you and like yeah. in this cooking food reviewing but also like not as much travel space it feels really good because it allows me to stay at home and run all the other aspects of my business <laughs> yeah <laughs> really nice speaking of the other aspects of your business yeah. you also started coaching when yes. did that start actually was it right yeah. around the pandemic no actually um Maybe a lot of people don't know this, but when I hit 100K on YouTube, I created a travel vlogging course. So my Which I, I purchased. Ever, yes, viewing to vlogging. So that was my yes. very first course. And that was like three years ago. So I think the education, like teaching educational aspect of like who I am has always kind of been there. And then, but then when the pandemic hit, I was not traveling anymore. I was at home. I was doing this cooking content and I had time to do other things. And that's when I thought, now I can really build on this coaching, you know, now, yeah. and now I have even more experience than I did three years ago when I hit hundred K. So during the pandemic, I grew, I built different programs. My very first one was a coaching program, eight weeks. It was called vlogging confidence. Mm, um, yes. And then that evolved into vlogger Academy, which is the three month mastermind. And now that is my signature program. So we just finished the second class of that. And yeah. we're doing the third later this year. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, her vlogger academy is just something else. <laughs> like if you follow TJ and you like see her stories, <laughs> yeah. the, the way her students praise her, I'm like, damn, that's like coaching goals. Like I'm slightly <laughs> jealous, but I don't think I can ever do that. It's, yeah, it's definitely, um, we, I spend a lot of time with my students, um, cause it, it's definitely, you know, we're, I'm with them almost, almost every day for the three months crazy yeah I, I do think that takes a special type of person yeah uh, someone like tj who's very nurturing and encouraging to be able to do that mm-hmm. in so intensely in such a yeah. short amount of time so a little plug here if you are interested in taking youtube seriously you can really uh, reach out to tj and inquire about the blogger academy because i think it can really change the entire trajectory of your YouTube career to have a mentor and guidance. And also the special thing about your program is accountability and, yeah. and that community too. Community is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what, how close people become when it's like an intensive short amount of time. So I guess now I also know that you're actually very passionate about acting. Okay. So you're, you were passionate about coaching, about creating mm-hmm. videos mm-hmm. and now also acting. Yeah. How does that all come into play? Like what is an ultimate goal and an ideal life for you where mm-hmm. these merge? You know, when you do like being a creative, you you always want to do more and you like when you get bored, you want to you want to do more things. Like it's almost like and then cuz when you get good at something, you become bored because it becomes a routine and it's a habit for you. And now you're like, what else is next? Cuz you're a creator, right? So you're always like, yes. what's next? What's next? Yes. What's next? Um so building YouTube for me for it was like that was my passion, right? And now it's my job. And coaching now it's also my passion in a different way. It's fulfilling and it leaves behind this legacy for me to see my students grow and become the creators they were meant to be. It's like a different type of fulfillment. Yes. And, but acting for me is like, it's challenging. It's hard. (laughs) It's what I'm passionate about. It gets me like out of my head and, and into the present. And it's a different kind of creative fulfillment. So I think all three together, it has made a really interesting life for me. And that's just, that's how it all pieced together. (laughs) I don't know if there's a ultimate goal, but I always say, say like, you just, just live a a interesting life and do things you want to do, follow your curiosity and things always align somehow. And they always fall into place. Yeah. What's your biggest acting gig so far? Oh, my biggest one. Um, I'm a recurring on SBU. Yes, I'm hoping I'll be back next season. We'll see. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God. I can't wait to see more of, you know, what you do in that area because you. you can really see uh, when someone's passionate about it. And I think TJ is super, super passionate about it. So I'm so excited for you. Do you think your YouTube experience really helped to push that along and, oh, and get you yeah. started on that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I think a lot of people, if they look at my acting career, they I didn't start, uh, like I started really late into doing professional acting, but I think I was able to book some of these bigger shows and roles because I've been on camera all the time, vlogging and producing my own stuff. Mm. So like, being on camera, understanding angles, understanding like how you look and like 
how to produce and put together a video. These are all skills that's so transferable to being an actor. Yeah. So even though I didn't have years of acting training, I had years of being on camera. So I do definitely think it helped. Amazing. Yeah. Yay. So guys, make sure you check out um, SV. Law and order. SVU. (laughs) SVU. When can people find you? Oh my gosh. (coughs) Guys, don't expect much, right? It's just a few lines, but just wait, okay? (laughs) Okay. When you have a bigger role, let us know and I'm going to tune in in front of my my TV and make sure I catch you when you come out. It's so funny. Sir, your document. <laughs> I, I I don't like telling people because you never know if you're going to get cut out. So like oh, I always no. hear stories yeah. of, of families gather around the TV, like waiting for someone to come on, but they don't come on because they get cut out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I know. But like the first few snippets, aren't they yeah. always the most exciting ones? So and exciting, yeah. your friends are like so excited for you as yes. well. Yeah. I've definitely been just enjoying like the journey of... um starting from, you know, the bottom and just like climbing and making milestones. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats on all your success. And um, I think that will go very far for sure. I'm going to be watching out for you on my TV screen. (laughs) So lastly, before we sort of wrap this up, I do want to touch upon YouTube shorts that you briefly mentioned. I actually, when did it even get introduced and how do you post YouTube shorts? Yeah. So YouTube shorts is basically uh, the TikTok and reels, but for YouTube. Now every platform has it, right? Snapchat has Spotlight Um, and you can post it directly from the app. But right now it's the app is still kind of in beta mode. So we recommend uploading it from your desktop uh, so you can pick your thumbnails and all you have to do to get into shorts, it has to be a vertical video. Um, less than a, mi- uh, a minute or less than a minute and you have to hashtag shorts in your description mm. and it'll get fed into the short platform oh. and it's getting updated literally every single week there's a new update so it's it's getting pushed out there and it's so strange to me how it gets uploaded it's so strange but it's so so powerful and we so from our course blogger academy we had our students um we had a bunny channel and we in in the one month through shorts uploading shorts every single day um she got three million views in a month holy so wow. we were able to like grow her channel from it was like maybe 800 or something less to fifteen thousand in like wow. a month and a half just so, through shorts. yeah it's very powerful yeah. so what's your strategy with youtube shorts you're starting a new channel for it I have a cooking channel where I post a vertical video. I'm still testing it out for me. Like my strategy for YouTube short, it's not necessarily like, Ooh, I'm gonna use it to grow. I'm just trying to figure out how it works so I can teach my students. Mm-hmm. And so one thing in my program blogger Academy is that we had such a big focus on creating vertical short snippet content, like little nuggets. Cause usually that with reels, right? Cause that to so knowing how to create that in itself is like a different craft. It's yes. different from long videos. Yes. But if you understand like the hook, how to snip yes. everything together. It's very powerful because once you create one single vertical content, upload to shorts, upload to reels, upload to TikTok, Spotlight, maybe Facebook will now have their own, who knows? <laughs> yeah, you never know. Most likely it will. Yeah, but it's definitely, now is definitely the best time to hop on it. Um, you'll see a lot of creators posting three to four times a day on shorts. Like, you okay. know, hop on it early. You don't know what's going to get picked up. Um, the thing with YouTube shorts is the algorithm is a little bit different from 
TikTok and Reels because with TikTok and Reels, you can upload something and then the day of or within a few days, it'll, it can blow up, right? YouTube Shorts, you upload it and it can kind of be like crickets. Mm. And then all of a sudden, like a month or two months later, it gets, it gets picked up. Oh, or wow. it jumps to like maybe 10K and I it see. stops growing. It's very weird. It's still kind of like, but it's then you kind of like YouTube videos. Yeah, but it's just a little bit, definitely more organic reach. And you do see channels growing to like, I think um, one of this creator, Lisa, she grew to a million just using YouTube shorts in like Meaning less than a year. I think. You can start a channel and only upload YouTube shorts? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's what that's what a lot of uh, channels are doing now. Mm-hmm. It's it's just insane. So definitely be you know the first people on there. Mm. That's very interesting. Do you think it's necessary to have a separate channel for your shorts to to make okay. sure that your main channel keeps the algorithm and the, yeah. the demographics that you want? I think or YouTube is trying really hard right now so that you can tell it by the way they're kind of organizing. It's changing every week, but basically um shorts if you look at someone's channel who posts shorts and long videos it's in different sections of youtube mm. and i think what they're probably going to do is like you could, i don't know if it's already available but when you upload a short maybe you don't have to notify your entire audience so if they're used to your long-form content they're not bothered by you posting like four shorts a day mm. i think they're trying to do trying to figure out how that would work but i don't know I'm not sure if youtube even understands Right now, most creators have two channels. They have a channel with their long-form content, their usual mm-hmm. channel, and then a second channel for shorts. But then there are also creators who are like, okay, shorts, just much more traffic. So on my regular channel, I'm just going to focus in on creating shorts the whole time, then maybe create long-form content later on mm-hmm. the same channel. Yeah, got it. I yeah. think that's um, maybe how I'll go about it. Because Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'll I created so many- like... 130 reels yeah may as well repurpose it repurpose it now tina okay (laughs) i don't have any long-form video yet that's okay um i mean we see creators who literally all they pumped out was shorts and then they post their first long-form content ever Mm. and hundreds and thousands of views Oh my god! Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get on it. I, I'm pretty yeah, sure I said on. that like two months ago. And I know then two you months did. Later, Maybe three like, months. I remember, ta- I remember talking about this on Clubhouse. Oh no! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yes, I, yes. I, I'm on it. I'm on it. Yes, you're on it, Gina. <laughs> Text my assistant. Hey, can you please? No, but <laughs> yeah, I had to outsource a lot. I had to outsource a lot of the rescheduling stuff because we're on yeah. all different platforms now. Okay, since you talk about outsourcing, I just want to lastly, very quickly talk about like how you expanded your team. Sure, sure. I I actually noticed that pretty early on, you started hiring film, um, like a small film crew to help you, right? How early on did you did you start that outsourcing process? Um, I started when I my my channel reached 100k. I started um, hiring like a local videographer. Um, he's, and this was when I was living in Taiwan and, um, mm. he was amazing. He's Rushi, Rushi Joshi. I don't know if he'll ever hear this, but he's just amazing. And so he helped me a lot with a lot of the trips that we were doing out in Asia. Of course, when there's not a, a videographer, I would have to just film it by myself, you know, as yeah. usual, but I love it when someone's there holding the camera because then I can direct, then I can host and it's just a much flowier process. Yeah. Um, so that was probably 
hiring a videographer was one of my first, then of course, hiring editors, then hiring virtual assistant. Um, when I started my coaching program, it was hiring program manager. Mm. Um, and like every time I move places, I have to hire a different team because you want to hire people who are based here. Oh, so yeah. now in New York, I have a in-person assistant. Um, I have a program manager, Jessica. She's amazing as well. And she helps with all of my coaching programs. And then I have a main videographer and editor, Lucas. He is amazing. I'm obsessed with my team. <laughs> so those are the people that I work with now. Three main people. Yes, yes. And you also have a manager to help you negotiate deals, yes. right? And my manager's Roland Group Boutique Agency. They manage all mm. the influencers. Also really, really amazing. I think having good people and a good team is so important because you're just, <laughs> you're going to have so much on your plate. It You have to outsource you yes. have to outsource. You have to have days to yourself. Um, Absolutely. You feel so burnt. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So the program manager, is she basically sort of like a, a person who oversees everything that's related you know, to your program? So she, she was actually um, she was actually a student of my, my very first coaching program. And she's just like, she's so willing to learn, so willing to help. Um, and like me and her just get along so well. And we're always about like, what's next? And so when... I brought her onto my team and she's just been amazing. She helps me with a lot of the, when Vlogger Academy, so right now Vlogger Academy is not enrolling because it is three months. So I can only do it on certain times of the years. Hmm. Um, and we're working on funnels, email funnels in the back end. So we're, we're taking emails we've already written, writing more emails and seeing, you know, if somebody enters from this lead magnet, what happens after that, right? So we just created a new lead magnet. It has, um, it's like a mini course with all of my, webinars and trainings mm -hmm. and that's like four hours of content right like people charge for this so we put it all for free so that's for the first free thing I yes yeah. for free. <laughs> wow. yes but you know for for me it's more just like they see the value of this stuff and they'll understand that when they do want to do vlogger academy or coaching that's even more valuable you know yeah. because we're with you every day so but yeah so that's kind of the program in the back end. And then we're hoping later this year, we would have time to revamp viewing to vlogging, which is my very first course. We're going to just like strip away, strip everything away, rebuild it from the start and focus in on the basics for people who are just starting out. Mm, got it. Yeah. Wow. So many exciting things I coming know. up for you. you. I'm really happy for you. And Thank I'm just you. so glad that you took the time to come on here and share with us, bless us with your YouTube wisdom. <gasps> so can you tell us uh, yes. where to find you and um, what to expect from you in the near future? Oh, yes. You can find me on CoverTJ.com. There you will find all my social media platforms um, and all my coaching programs as well. And as to what you expect, well, we're hoping to launch class three of Vlogger Academy. This may or may not be the very last three-month program as my schedule gets really, really crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully you guys will see me on the big screen. Yes. Here we oh, go. my God. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till that day comes. Thank you. Well, thank you, TJ. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.